The first one would be why. So your why. For me, starting with why is the most important thing. It's a concept that I learned from Simon Sinek years ago. And it really is the basis for why you are launching your show. It's what's going to keep you going in those really hard moments. And it's going to keep you going when you don't feel like showing up to edit your episode or you don't feel like creating social media content because that why becomes so much bigger than you, right? Welcome to the Podcasting University. Looking for help on starting your own podcast? Then this is the place to be. We will help you with everything from selecting your topic to promoting and monetizing your podcast in the simplest language possible. Listen to other podcasters who've been through the grind and learn from them as we interview them every week. You can find more details on thepodcastinguniversity.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Podcasting University. This is your host Dilip and in today's episode, we are going to have a very interesting discussion with a very interesting guest. If you are somebody who is looking at using podcasting as an income source, then I'm sure you would be aware of the many subsidiary services that work around podcasting. One such business is podcast production, podcast management and consultation business. The guest on the show today is somebody whose experience spans more than 10 years in marketing, communications, advertising, and public relations. She helps six-figure entrepreneurs in the intuitive space bring their personality, brand, and passion to the mic by helping them launch, manage, and run their podcasts. She is the founder and CEO of Costatini Productions, a full-service podcast production agency and the executive producer and host of the Happiness Happens podcast. Welcome Simona Costantini to the Podcasting University and let's have a chat with her and understand how she runs this podcast production agency as a business around podcasting. Hey Simona, welcome to the Podcasting University. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on here with you today. Me too, Simona. And I know that I'm going to get a lot of information from you, especially now that you've just come back from PodFest. There is going to be a lot more information that I'll be getting from you about attending these kind of conferences as well. Yes. So before we get into all of these things, Simona, what I would like to do is give a little intro about you to the audience about what Happiness Happens podcast is why did you get into podcasting and what is your experience with podcasting? Yes, I love that question. I am so grateful that you asked it. So my podcast is called Happiness Happens. And I actually started the show back in 2018 as I was going through a difficult time in my life. And I was learning a lot of new things about myself and about the way that the world works and around me and all of that stuff. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, if I'm going through all of this right now, mm-hmm. there has to be somebody else in the world who must feel the same way as me on some level. And then, okay. you know, I started thinking to myself, maybe the best way to communicate how I feel and what I've been going through and to bring people closer together was to create a podcast. So I created the podcast out of the desire to help people feel less alone, to be honest. Uh, I wanted people to have a spot to go where 
where they could feel understood and heard and, you know, feel supported in whatever that they were experiencing in their lives. And then the way it's sort of evolved over the last few years is now I speak specifically with people about about happiness and what happiness means to them and, you know, exploring that with all kinds of people around the world. And I learned so much every single time. And so that's how I got into podcasting originally. And then through that, started out my own production company. And now I produce podcasts for my clients as well as for myself uh, every single week. And uh, so, yeah, I'm really immersed in it. There's a lot to, a lot to learn and uh, I have so much to share with you all today. Right. Uh, Simona, a question that I had, I was listening to your uh, podcast and I see that you talk about, talk a lot about happiness for entrepreneurs and uh, in terms of entrepreneurship, there is a lot of discussion that you do. Any specific reason why you specifically uh, talk about happiness in entrepreneurship? Mm, that is a great question. You know, I have to say, I think because entrepreneurs, I feel like are often the most isolated types of people in their industry. You know, there's a mm. lot of work that goes on behind the scenes and, you know, in being an entrepreneur and having your own business. And there's a lot of time that you spend by yourself. And what happens is, and what I've learned is, you know, a lot of the times when people are, are entrepreneurs, it's typically because they don't fit the mold that, you know, society would tell you you should be or how you should be, how you should act and all of that. Mm -hmm. I know for myself, becoming an entrepreneur was that exact journey. You know, I, I am definitely the, I would say outcast in my family because I'm different and, you know, I wanted a different type of life. And with that comes, you know, friends and family not really understanding why you do specific things or, you know, why you would work so many later hours if you have to. And so right. it's really about that, you know, just that idea of supporting entrepreneurs and helping them really tap back into their purpose, why they started and the overall happiness and the journey that they're looking for. Right. And I can so much relate to that that part right? where you mentioned that people don't understand why we work for 15 hours. So <laughs> I see so many people coming and, you know, advising me why I shouldn't be doing it, why I should be focusing more on, you know, uh, all of those, uh, you know, other activities. And in spite of the fact that I try to make them understand as much as possible. And I, mm -hmm. it's not that I'm sacrificing my uh, you know, friends' time or my family time, but still, you know, I always see that there is that advice that keeps coming as to why I shouldn't be doing that. So I can mm -hmm. perfectly understand what you said. Exactly, and you know, I really think that a lot of the times, it's like people will tell you something, and they'll tell you, "Oh, you, you know, you shouldn't do this. It's safer to go and get a job, and it's safer to do all of these other things." But I have to be honest with you, especially throughout the pandemic and COVID and all of that, I was working a job. I used to work in a corporate job. I had a great job. You know, it was fine, but it was never something that I actually really wanted to be doing my whole entire life. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that safe, cushy job that I thought that I had, I got let go. I got furloughed because it was in the travel industry. Mm -hmm. I didn't have, you know, there was no job security anymore. So this job that everyone on the outside thought was so safe and so secure ended up being, you know, the number one job that probably wasn't. And so that really shifted my perspective in so many different ways that, you know, it's not, it's not always one way. 
insecurity part is always there with a job mm. and uh, yeah that's where there is a lot of disconnect so uh, simona now since you focus a lot and you're targeting a very specific market and for example you know if i am to look at the happiness from an entrepreneurship perspective i think that isn't something that is a very commonly discussed topic and so i don't really even know if there will be an audience if entrepreneurs will want to take that time out to understand why they need to be happy in whatever it is that they are doing so how did you come to that niche and did you find that the market was very limited or was it easy for you to get your audience that's a really great question um i so i really like self development podcasts like i really enjoy listening to people's like stories and, and that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. i think what I like so much about that is just because it was really reassuring to me in those times that were, that were really difficult. And so when I, I say this all the time, I say, you know, if I were to go back and launch my podcast all over mm-hmm. again, years ago, I would do probably like a million things differently, but I also would do everything the same at the same time. So I'll tell you why. So I would do so many things differently because I've learned so much about what it takes to launch a podcast and launch a really good podcast, you know? But at the same time, I would have never have learned all of those things if I didn't launch my show in the way that I did. So, right? And so when I launched my show initially, I had no audience. I launched to, like, I didn't even really have a social media presence. I didn't have an audience at all, really. And um, I just launched it purely out of passion. Now, the shows that I launched today are shows that are, you know, more in the entrepreneurship world. So they have, you know, a different purpose to them. They're typically, you know, an extension of somebody else's business or an extension of what someone else is creating. And they already have that online presence, right? So, Hmm. you know, when I was doing my show, I didn't really have a niche when I first started and it really has evolved and grown with me as I've continued to grow. But again, it's not the way that I would launch a show now. Right. I can understand. I I was I was about to come to that uh, second aspect uh, of <laughs> your consultation business, but before I get into that, because yes, I yes. know that there also you're very focused and your niche is very uh, limited. But uh, what I would like to know from you, Simona, and and I think you will have a lot of experience in terms of building an audience in such a tight niche. So, how today, you know, for people building an audience means going to social media, posting a few, uh, you know, maybe tips there or maybe an audiogram. And then they expect the audience to come, the traffic to come. Mm -hmm. But I am not really sure if that is the best way of doing it because I don't think personally that that is the best way of doing it. So what, according to you, are, you know, some of these ways that people can build audience, uh, which probably a lot of people aren't talking about today? Mm, I love that. Well, I like that you said that to begin with, because I do also think that, you know, your audience is so much more than just making a social media post online. You know, mm. when you when you're be, when you're building a podcast and when you're creating a podcast, what I like to the way that I like to think about it is that you're creating a community around your show. You're creating mm. a, a place for people who, you know, have similar interests want to learn similar things to come to learn and understand and grow. And so, you know, in terms of building an audience, 
I think social media definitely definitely plays a big part in that. You know, you definitely want to have that community online, but how you do that is totally up to you. So some people will like to use different Facebook groups. Some people use specifically Facebook, for example. Um, some people will only use Instagram. Some people will use TikTok. But then you also have different things like, you know, newsletters or running ads and meeting new people through running ads. That's not something that I personally do in this current moment. So I won't speak to that too, too much. Um, and I know you probably don't really want to get into that anyways, but mm. you know, I, I think that when it comes to building your audience, it really does come down to your content. And then you also want them to do something next, right? You want to take them mm. on a journey with you. So, you know, whatever it is that you're wanting them to do next, is it to subscribe to a newsletter, to download a free resource that maybe you've created, uh, you know, to maybe join you on social media or, you know, enter into your membership program. So there's so many different ways to build like that audience. I mm. think the biggest piece though, is to really think of it in terms of building a community of people. Um, and then once you build up that community, the audience follows, and then you have those followers who are excited to listen to your show, you know, who want to share your episodes with their friends and with their family and the people that they know. And I think that it takes time. And I think it takes, you know, I wouldn't say time to it. I don't think it takes time to like grow a podcast to a big audience, like to have a lot of listeners, but mm. I think it does take, you know, a little bit of time for to build that community piece. And that only happens through the content that you're putting out on a regular basis. So basically, first the content or the foundation has to be strong. And then it is all about building that community where you know people kind of refer you, get you more audience. So that's something that, uh, you know, we should try to do, right? I would say so. Yeah, I definitely would say so. Including that in your launch strategy would probably be very helpful and very uh, a very good way to approach launching your show. So coming coming to what you do uh, in terms of the podcast consultation and podcast management, and I see that once again, you've picked a very uh, focused niche because when I see people are into podcast consultation, they aren't really focused on a specific type of audience. So they do it for... Mm -hmm individual podcasters they do it for branded podcasts for corporates so but you have very specifically mentioned that you uh, work with entrepreneurs or six-figure you know earners to get their podcast off the ground so from an Indian market perspective I know that uh, for corporates or for brands podcasting isn't something that they would prefer to get into right now and mm -hmm. only people are getting to know about podcasts but was it easy to pick that specific niche and get started with your business it really was for me it was so easy for me to pick that niche and it almost fell into my lap that way um i have a lot of friends who are entrepreneurs to begin with and so when i launched my services initially mm -hmm. um a few years ago i was working with entrepreneurs on their podcast already. And, you know, my clients would refer me different business that were also entrepreneurs. And I think that I just have this natural draw towards other entrepreneurs because I find them so incredibly inspiring. And mm. I get to learn so much in so many different 
niche markets because they're not all the same, right? All of the podcasts are different. You know, some of my yeah. clients are in health and wellness. Some of them are in parenting. Some of them are former journalists. You know, some of them are in marketing and business. And so there's all kinds of things to learn and there's so much different content. And I really think that the entrepreneurship niche found me. Uh, I don't think that I could have picked it, it if I tried. I, I honestly think that I meant to be working with entrepreneurs because I get their mindset and I understand why they do the things that they do. I understand, you know, how their podcast builds into their bigger marketing strategy and marketing plan. Mm. And also with my like experience in my corporate world, like the corporate, like the corporate life that I used to have, it was working with professionals. So, you know, not to say like, I mean, I do have a few podcasts that are just, you know, just for fun and just passion projects and that kind of stuff. But I would say that, you know, everything that I do, the the lens in which I launch a podcast, you know, at the end of the day, regardless of the client, they do have some kind of business goal in mind, whether that's mm -hmm. like monetizing their show or doing, you know, something of that nature. It always ends up being businessy in some sense. So mm -hmm. it's kind of nice to have that that perspective to be able to offer them that when they're looking for it. So if I'm to ask you, is finding clients in the business niche easier or is it easier to get you know individual uh, clients mm -hmm. for podcast consultation? What do you think is more difficult? I think more difficult is the regular everyday person because, you know, if someone is just creating a podcast for fun and maybe they don't have a business, for example, and correct me if I maybe have misunderstood the, the question wrong, but people who have some kind of business or are in some kind of corporate space or what have you, they have the money to dedicate to producing the show. Right. Yeah. And so I find a lot of the times people who don't have that business behind them, they don't really have the funds and the money to be able to have their show produced for them. So it's completely, it's completely different. Like, you know, my clients don't even think twice about being able to, you know, pay for the services. It's something that they want to do because they understand that it's a different way of, you know, getting new clients and it's a different way of growing their business, right? It's an asset to their business. Whereas someone who's doing it for fun you know, maybe they'll have in mind that they want to monetize their show or something like that. But they're also not really thinking of it in terms of like part of their business plan. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, that makes real sense because I know it will be very difficult to get those people started off with their podcast primarily because there is going to be some investment into all of that uh, you yes. know, getting started with podcasting and then for the consultation and people think twice before investing into something that they aren't even sure they're going to continue in the long term. Exactly it. Honestly, you you hit the nail on the head. And I think the difference between, you know, working with an entrepreneur is like an entrepreneur knows that they want to have that podcast as part of their business for as long as their business is probably existing, right? And so it makes right. it easier for them to be able to, you know, fork over that cost, if you will. Uh, whereas like you're saying, someone who is maybe just doing it for fun wouldn't necessarily go and like pay all this money for someone else to produce it for them when they would probably just do it themselves, right? Right, yeah. And Simona, so when it comes to finding clients, I think this is an area where a lot of us have problems. Now, 
you know there are all of those cliche tactics where people say okay come on instagram post valuable content there will be people and then dm them all of those things but people do all of that but when it comes to actually pitching your services to somebody mm-hmm. people are still reluctant you know they aren't sure if they should be doing it if they're doing it the right way and all of that so finding clients becomes one of the most difficult things for anybody since you are in focusing on a very specific kind of an audience what is your method to acquire clients and how difficult have you found it to approach clients and pitch them your services and if you've had to make any you know tweaks uh, in in specific to uh, some specific uh, audiences or something like that mm, that's such a great question so when i first started my business a few years ago i actually started it on fiverr and you may be familiar with fiverr already but it's a freelancing yeah, yeah. app right yeah so it's uh, so it's a freelancing app and i just went on there i created three different gigs that I could, you know, do for people. One was like creating an intro and outro. One was editing, you know, a 30 minute episode and then editing like a 60 minute episode. And then mm. I just started working with my clients through there. And I was still working full time at the time when I first started this. And honestly, when I launched my business officially, I had said to those clients, you know, I'm going out on my own. If you want to sort of like continue on together at a little bit of a better rate you know, send me an email and we can go from there. And then what happened was everyone from Fiverr came over to my business, which was so nice. And (laughs) it was kind of amazing. And, you know, I'm very blessed. I'm very lucky. Uh, My clients refer me business all the time. So like my clients, I would say 98% of them like 98% of the time pretty much comes from having a, a referral business. So, mm. so it comes from referrals. Now, I mean, it's taken some time to get to that point, which is why I think it's important to mention the piece about Fiverr, because it was something that really did allow my business to grow and really did allow me to tap into different markets and try new things and help different people. But what I would say is one of the biggest things is, you know, I would say making sure that you're putting out good content that's related to whatever it is that you want to be doing online. Mm. I think that, you know, even though people will say, you know, whatever they'll say about social media, it's still really important to have that presence. And the reason why is because let's say you're going to be a guest on a podcast or, you know, you want to at a speaking event or something like that, regardless of what it is that you want to do, you know, you need to have that online presence because that's what people are looking for when Mm. they come to you. So your potential clients are going to come and they're going to look at your social media. They're going to look at your website. They're going to look at your past work. You know, they're going to look and see all of those different things, right? If you don't have anything to show for that, if you don't have anything on, even if you don't post on social media for like, you know, two weeks, for example, if you don't have anything on your page that'll draw them in and tell them why they should work with you, they're not going to see why they should work with you. Right. Right, And so, uh, you know, even so, so some of my clients now that come from that space of, you know, not being a referred client or not being referral business, I always ask them, I say, how did you find me? And they'll say, I just put in the hashtag, you know, podcast expert or podcast producer. And that's how I found you. And I always think that that's so amazing 
because that's from posts that I put out so long ago, right. you know? And so if that content never existed, that client would have never felt like I was the right fit to help them. They would have never reached out and we never would have hopped on a call. So that's one way that I think is really important for people to remember and to consider, you know, is that it really does matter what you're putting online. And then in terms of the actual client, like retention piece, if you will, it's so important to care about your clients and to care about mm. the work that you're doing. And I'm not saying like be a people pleaser and go and do all of this extra work, all of this extra stuff. What I'm saying is really care about what it is that you're producing for someone. You know, you have to care about the end result and, and the product that you're delivering. You know, people are trusting you with their hard-earned dollars, right? And, you know, you have right. to do what you say you're going to do. Um, and you really have to build up that relationship. So, you know, relationships for me in business is the number one thing. I would rather sit on a call with someone for one hour than to cut them off short at 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that, I don't know, there's so much to that. What do you think? Yeah, and it makes sense because that relationship that you're building is probably the foundation for getting additional clients because the experience yes. that they've had with you is what they're going and talking about and which is why all of those referrals are probably coming in. It, that's exactly it. it. That is exactly it. And, you know, my clients really do say like, you know, if their friends are like, oh, you know, I'm looking for someone to help me with my show. My clients have no problem being like, oh, you know what? I should introduce you to the editor on my, like the editor who does my stuff or the producer who does my stuff, you know, because she's X, Y, and Z and she, you know, does, you know, she does a good job, right? But it's only because right. I've done that good job for them for so long that they trust me with their contacts. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that quality of work and that relationship is probably, it's not just about building that relationship with that specific client, but I think that is a foundation of running a business like this because uh, like what you said, you know, uh, we will have to rely on our existing clients mm -hmm. who can go and talk well about us in order to get us more business. Instead exactly. of focusing on any of the other channels, I think that is a, the best channel to look at. Exactly. And, you know, I have to say too, like, you know, maybe think about, and for everyone who's listening right now, really think about like, what are your values in your life? Like, what do you value from other people? Mm -hmm. When you purchase a service from someone, what's important to you about that service or the way that they are, or how they, they run their business? Right. You know, what is it about that specific thing that you absolutely love? And if you love it so much, the odds are you know, your clients, your future clients will also love that about your service, right? And so for me, like in my business, kindness is the number one value. It's, but it's also the number one value in my life. And so if I can approach people, situations and things with a lot of empathy and understanding in mm -hmm. my regular day-to-day -day life, then I can also do that in my business as well, right? Right. Yeah, true. So true. So when it comes to your business, um, Simona, now podcast management con and consultation can mean a lot of things. There will be a lot of things that go into it. So what are the specific things that you focus on when it comes to supporting your clients with? Yes, I love that question. So 
my services focus primarily first on helping people launch their podcast. So I have like an online course that people can do to either do it themselves or I'll do it for them. So mm-hmm. that's like the two ways that I would launch a podcast with someone. So they would either go through the online course and do it at their own pace and do their own, you know, their own way, or I would do it for them. So we do, my team and I, we do everything for our clients. So we do all of the, you know, you know, from starting up your your concept, your creation, your cover art, creating your intro, your outro, your trailer, your marketing plan, all of the marketing pieces and assets that will go with that. So it really is full service on the podcast launch side. You know, blogs, SEO strategy, keyword research, uploads to YouTube, like really whatever the client is looking for and needs, we do that. We also do, you know, some PR, some public relations with that as well. Mm -hmm. If we have, you know, show launching, we'll do press releases, like that kind of stuff, which is great. And after that, what happens is, you know, the client can kind of choose whatever it is that they want to do, however it is that they want to do it. So I do have podcast management services as well. So my clients will, you know, come on for, you know, full management. So that would be, you know, us managing their show, you know, one episode every single week. Uh, every single month and which is amazing. So I think that might answer your question, but that's kind of how I have it uh, structured. It really is full service. And I like it to be like turnkey, you know, like if someone comes to me and is asking me for a specific help, you know, I don't want them to, to do anything other than hit record, you know, but that is just my clientele. Like my, my audience, like not my audience, sorry, my clients really don't want to do any of the other, any of the other stuff. They don't want to do any of the tech, right? They don't want to do any of the setup. So I just built my packages with that in mind because that's what I knew people like didn't want to do at all. So that really helped too. like understanding what your clients want from you is a big deal because that will sort of dictate the types of packages that you, you know, that you create and how it continues to evolve. Right. So, and one of the reasons why I asked you this question is because when you were starting off with this business and with so many things that go into podcasting and today, to be very frank, uh, you know, I've been running three podcasts along with my wife and if I take the other two off, this one podcast itself is so taxing. There are so many things that go into it. I know. (laughs) You need support. And you, in addition to running your own show, you, you're managing this for your clients. So you cannot do it without support. But when you started Absolutely. off, did you do it all by your own and then built a team who was able to support it? How did you do it? And what is the yes. best way of getting started? Yes, I love that question. I love what you said so much because honestly, you know, sometimes I think people look at entrepreneurs and are like, oh my gosh, they do so many things. How do they do it all? But I'll be the first person to tell you, I could do nothing without my team. There was no, there is no way that I could do all of the things that I get to do every single day without having an amazing team that gets to help me. And, you know, I would say, so when I first started mm-hmm. my business, I did everything myself, but that's because I had the time to do that, right? I did all of the editing and all of the show notes, all of the social media, all of that stuff. And then probably about three months into my business starting, I was like, okay, I need a little bit of help here. Like, let me see, you know, 
if there's someone that could help me or what I could outsource and, you know, what are the things that, you know, I don't really want to do every single day that someone else would probably love to do every single day. And so Mm. about three months after starting, I took a leap of faith and I hired on my first team member and she's amazing. And she is like my right hand. She does so much different stuff. So she, she focuses more on the content side. Like she'll create social media stuff and like all of like the graphics and that kind of stuff, which Mm. is super great. And then it was like little steps after that, like, you know, realizing that I needed one more editor on my team and then, okay, one more editor on my team and then, okay, one more editor on my team after that. <laughs> and, but, you know, I, I'm a big believer in like, you know, I like people will say like, you know, hire slow, fire fast, but I believe in a higher fast and also f- like fire fast. You know what I mean? Like you, sometimes you have to take that leap of faith and, and just sort of know right. that somebody else has your back and like, we'll be able to do it, to do what it is that they say that they're going to do. But also if it's not working out, you need to be able to say like, you know what, this is not, it's not what I was thinking. It's not what I was imagining. You know, thank you so much. But at the end of the day, it's just business. Right. And again, though, I come back to that kindness piece, making sure that everything you do, even with your team is from a kind hearted place and from a place of, you know, wanting to, have everyone succeed, you know? Um, so I don't know if that really answers your question totally because, you know, it was filled with a lot of fear. I won't lie. Like I was very scared to hire on my first team members. I didn't know what that process was going to look like. And, you know, I didn't want to, you know, my biggest thing at the time, and I definitely don't think this anymore, but my biggest thing at the time was, you know, if I bring somebody else on, then, uh, you know, the money that I'm making isn't going to come to me. It's going to go to them. And, right, right. right? <laughs> but having that, <laughs> but it's true. But having that said, you know, because I have her on my team, because I have the editors on my team, I get to take on more clients in different things. And I get to do a bunch of different things as well. Right. So right. it's about the way that you look at it. Um, but I definitely would like make sure like give yourself some time first to like see how much money are you making? What is your, what are your costs? Like how much money are you spending every single month? And then like, you know, can you afford it? You know, how, and then how do you afford it? And then once you do decide to hire on a team, how does that change your packages and your pricing? How, you know, there's so many different layers to it, but I don't know. I think that you got to step like outside of that fear place. Like I was in. (laughs) I can so much relate to every word that you said, <laughs> and Isn't Simona. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, and and I can I can tell you that there are a lot of people who think the same way because when mm-hmm. I talk to uh, you know people who are planning to get started with a business kind of a podcast, and I tell them that it is better that you uh, you know maybe offshore outsource the the editing part. The first mm-hmm. question that comes to their mind is the exact thing that you just mentioned. And yes. that, okay, now. Uh, you you you're wanting me to hire in somebody who's going to take a share of what I am earning and I don't even know how much I'm going to earn. <laughs> exactly. You know, when I first started working with one of my newest clients, he's so great. He is such an awesome guy and his content is so great. He's in the mortgage space and uh, he's a mortgage uh, broker. And mm-hmm. I remember one of the first meetings we had when we were sitting down and we were going through everything. He was like, okay, I want to do all of the editing. And at the time I said to myself, I said, how, like, and I said to him, I said, how are you going to find the time to do that? You know, like you have a very busy life and a very busy job. And he's like, no, no, no. Like I want to do it. I want to do it. Anyways, then we started getting going 
And then he looked at me, he's like, you know, Simona, he's like, I don't think I want to do the editing piece. <laughs> and I said, no problem. I definitely understand. And I was like, I, I knew that was coming, you know? Oh my goodness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Was- and uh, when you're hiring a support for your team, Simona, uh, what what does your experience say? Is it good to hire somebody full time or is it good to go get maybe some other freelancers on, you know, some of the sites like that of Upwork or something? So which oh, yeah. would uh, you recommend? So I, uh, all of my team members are uh contractors. So they're all freelance. So hmm. I don't actually have anyone like on payroll or anything like that. And to be honest, I prefer that a little bit better because it allows people to stay in their own zone of genius and what they love to do, you know? Mm. And then also on top of that, you know, they're also entrepreneurs and they also understand, you know, the way that like my mind works, if you will. And, you know, they, they just kind of get it. And, you know, then they can, we sort of agree upon like, you know, if it's an editor, we'll say, okay, like it's this many episodes per month. Um, that's what you'll be editing. And like, that's every single month until, you know, further notice, if you will. And then, you know, for my other team member who creates the content, we just have a set number of hours that we agree on every single month. And then if we go over that, if we have more hours, then that's totally fine too. But that's kind of how I started was really just making sure that it was very clear, like what everyone was working on. And then if we needed Mm. to add things in, we would, but just having that baseline of, you know, this is where we're going to start and this is how we're going to start, I think is super important. All right. Yeah. I think, you know, going with freelancers also helps because otherwise if there is a lot many other things that you will start have to start manage, like for example, the payroll, the, yes. the taxes and all of yes. those things, I think. And also like if your team is in different parts of the world, like my team is all in the US pretty much and I live in Canada. So, you know, how do you even begin to pay people for taxes? Like our taxes are mm. different here than it is over there, right? And right. like all of that different stuff. And they're also in the U- like US, uh, US funds, right? Instead of Canadian dollars. So even that is something that's different. And so, you know, it's kind of cool though, because, you know, you work with, all kinds of different people who have so many different interests. And then Mm. too, you know, what I love the most is, you know, you get to know them, their families and all kinds of things. You know what I mean? And it just feels like you're making such a bigger impact that way. I don't know. It does to me anyways. Yeah. yeah, And I can, I can uh, understand what you mean to say. And (laughs) I think it, it makes, it is more than like working with a group of people who are just coming in to work just because they are getting a salary. Yeah, exactly. They're there because they want to be there, you know? Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to these clients that you uh, manage, Simona, now what, according to you, are the most common issues that your clients face when you talk to them about getting started with a podcast? And what are your strategies to kind of get over uh, with those issues? Yes, definitely. This is a great question too. So the biggest things that my clients... Uh, come to me for the first things that they say they always say I don't know what tech to use and I don't even know where to start like I don't know what microphone to use what headphones to use I don't know how to record my podcast or anything like that so Mm. you know I would give them my tips and give them my thoughts and then you know after a couple months of that I was like you know what I was like I need to create a guide (laughs) so I created a guide for people to be able to you know download it and then they can just see what 
equipment they might be missing? What do they actually need to get started? Like all of those different pieces. So I think definitely the technology part is like very overwhelming for people and it's very confusing, but I do have to say like, it's not as overwhelming as it seems, you know, Mm. and there's a lot of different like resources online to help you navigate that and to go through that, like, especially on YouTube, there's tons of videos to teach you all kinds of stuff in terms of tech. Um, And then another big one is, you know, are people going to listen, you know, and what am I going to talk about? And like that imposter syndrome piece Mm. comes in. And, you know, I really like to remind people that regardless of what podcast you're creating, no one can say what you're going to say and no one can share what you're going to share the way that you will. So in my opinion, there's space for everyone in this form of media. And I think that everyone has something valuable to share. And, you know, I like to think a lot too, that the people who are listening to your show are the people who need to hear you the most, right? And they're the people who want to learn from you, but also they will only, how do I word this? Like they are excited to learn from you in the way that you're going to teach it. And so Mm. if you and I both sat down and told a podcaster, okay, this is how you could launch your show. You and I have very different people who would want to learn from us, right? And so of course there's space for both of us in the industry because your clients are meant for you and my clients are meant for me. You know what I mean? Just as like anyone else, like, you know, whatever business you have or whatever podcast you have, the clients that you have in that business or the guests that you bring on your show, those are the conversations that you're meant to have. Those are the people that you're meant to be helping. That's how I like to look at things anyways. So those are like some of the, those are the two biggest ones. And I think truly it's just like that overwhelming amount of like, you know, how do I even get this off the ground? Mm, And so I also created a guide for that too. (laughs) I just kind of took all of the problems that people were experiencing. And I was like, you know what, let's put it in guide in this form so people can come back, reference it, and they can, you know, learn on their own, in their own way. Right. So coming to a question that I thought I'll ask you when, uh, after I saw that you've been to PodFest. So you've been to PodFest, you met so many different podcasters and there were a lot of the other podcasters that I've been talking to who were also there. And there would have been so much of information that uh, you would have found there. So if I'm to ask you, what were your two key takeaways from PodFest that you think is something that probably a lot of us podcasters aren't really focusing on? What will those be? Mm, I love that. So I think the first one would definitely be the power of like your network and networking with other people. Um, Mm. One thing that I learned at PodFest was how much I actually don't network with the people in my own industry. I think that's so important. There's so much to learn from so many different people, like you said. And I did learn so much at PodFest and I left feeling super inspired, which I think is so important for any creative to like make sure you're surrounding yourself with people who lift you up and people who want, you know, want to see you succeed and want to help you. I think that's so important. And then, you know, on the more technical side, something that I learned from PodFest that was so important is how powerful video is and how powerful it will continue to be. Hmm. So I tell all my clients, if you're going to go and record a podcast, you might as well record it with the video at the same time, even if you don't use it, right? You never know if you're going to want that video five, 10, you know, months from now or like a year from now, even to create content for social media, 
you know, right. video form is very powerful, right? It's, you know, in a society, in a world today where we don't always get to be near each other and see each other face to face, video gives it a different perspective. Video gives us, you know, a more personal relationship with someone and it's how people relate to us. They can see our smiles, they can see our laughs and, you know, our emotions as we're going through different episodes. So I think that would be like the two biggest takeaways that I would recommend for, for all podcasters. Right. Amazing. And networking, I totally, and it feels so good when you see that you're not alone in podcasting. There are so many other people who think, you know, similar to what your thought process is, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. So, uh, you know, coming to a question that I usually ask uh, all of my uh, guests. So from a podcasting perspective, if you are to start your podcast all over again today, Mm then what are two primary things or two most important things that you will want to focus on which you know basically what i what I, what i'm trying to do is if there is somebody who is just wanting to get started what are those mm-hmm. two most important things that you think that needs to be focused on to get uh, the start right yes the first one would be why so your why For me, starting with why is the most important thing. It's a concept that I learned from Simon Sinek years ago. And Mm. it really is the basis for why you are launching your show. It's what's going to keep you going in those really hard moments. And it's going to keep you going when you don't feel like showing up to edit your episode or you don't feel like creating social media content because that why becomes so much bigger than you, right? And then the second thing is knowing exactly who you're talking to. Who is your podcast for and what do they want to learn from you? That is the most important thing. It will drive all of your content. It'll allow you to position your messaging properly. You know, you'll know how to, you know, describe your show, um, Mm. what your intro and outro are going to be. Like it really drives everything. So I think that those two pieces are so important. And then of course, I'll throw in a bonus one here, of course, um, but the power of community, making sure you're building that community around you. Right, right, yeah. You know, when you're getting started, we all talk about putting together a podcasting strategy. So Simona, from your perspective, in all of the things that go into a podcasting strategy, the launch, the content plan, uh, the promotional strategy, the monetization strategy, what according to you is the thing that people need to most focus on when they are starting? And what are your tips on that specific aspect? Oh, that is such a hard question because I want to say all of it. Um, (laughs) I think (laughs) all of it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Wow, that is so good. I really think it comes back down to your content, like Mm. the content that you're putting out there every single day, you know, or every single week or, you know, every single month or however, you know, often your podcast is if you don't have the content right, it doesn't really matter what launch strategy and plan you have. Cause like, yes, the launch strategy and the plan will get you, you know, some downloads and some listeners and subscribers. But if the content isn't good, you're Mm. not going to have people who are going to stay, you know? So I think that's so important that, and also making sure that your sound is clear. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, 110% perfect and all of that, but like making sure that you, you know, if you're on an interview with someone, your Wi-Fi isn't cutting out left, right, and center. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're not clinging things in the background. And, you know, sometimes what happens is people will wear like, you know, 
headphones with a microphone on it and the microphone will like rub against like their scarf or sweater or something like that. And it's so distracting. So anyways, that's just like a bonus thing that I was just thinking about that I think is important too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you can understand that one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) And then it takes hours to clear that audio. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And honestly, it's just so much more work afterwards. Like my biggest thing is like, I just would rather get the microphone set up perfectly first you know, and have the sound actually sound good and then record it instead of having to like go back and like fix it all up afterwards. It's so much more work that way. Right. So uh, nice, some very, uh, you know, intricate points that you, you touched upon and very informative things that we spoke today, Simona. And it is so nice listening to you learning from you a lot of the things about podcast consultation. And I'll, I'll tell you, see, you know, while we all talk about podcast production agency, I think what matters a lot is what are the specific things that you focus on in that podcast production agency? Because I think that if you're going to do anything and everything for everybody, that isn't a sustainable model. And something that you said about turnkey solutions for your clients, it makes so much sense from that perspective. So there were so many good things that you spoke you, you you told uh, us, Simona, and it was wonderful talking to you. Excellent information. It was nice having you on the show and chatting to you. Thank you so much. I am so grateful to have been invited here to speak with you today. Um, and I'm just so honored uh, to be on your show. And thank you so much for your kind words. It really does mean so much, um, you know, to, to be able to share all of this with you. And, you know, if you, or if your listeners or whoever has any questions, you know, please send me a message, find me on social media, send me an email. I'm happy to chat. I'm always happy to chat. Um, and I love hearing about people's new podcasts. Right. Sure. Definitely. Uh, Simona. And thanks once again, you know, hopefully maybe, uh, next year pot fest, we'll, we'll get to talk to each other, but then we'll, we'll keep chatting, but uh, thanks a that. lot for the information. And thanks for coming on the show. Thank you again. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Simona. And I'm sure you would have found value in some of the really nice practical tips that she shared on the show today. If you liked this, then I'm sure you're going to love some of the earlier episodes that we did on the Podcasting University So don't forget to visit thepodcastinguniversity.com where you'll be able to find all of those earlier episodes. Visit thepodcastinguniversity.com for the show notes, the resources and all of the information that we spoke about in this episode. You'll be able to find a printable transcript for this show as well there. Now if you're new to podcasting, you would want to join my 10-day e-course where I teach you everything that you need to know to get started with your own podcast. Why would you need a paid course to get started if you can get it for free? So don't forget to join the 10-day e-course on thepodcastinguniversity.com forward slash free dash guide. The Podcasting University is available on pretty much all podcasting platforms. You'll be able to listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Amazon Prime Music, Hubhopper, Geo7 and Ghana as well. Pick your favorite platform and listen to the show in there. And wherever you listen to it, don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you stay updated with the latest episodes that I release. Don't forget to visit thepodcastinguniversity.com for all the details on how you'll be able to get in touch with Simona. You'll be able to find all of the links there. 
keep listening to the podcasting university until i come back the next week with another interesting conversation around podcasting until then this is goodbye from dilip you all have a wonderful rest of the week